Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Abide in Liberty. Uh, I'm going to switch gears a little bit from what I've been talking about the last couple weeks with the economy and specialization. I've been wanting to really dive into the issue with gender ideology for some time now, and I've hinted at this in prior podcasts, um, just how the fact that as a society, we have come to a point where there are large groups of society that actively seem to think that boys can become girls and girls can become boys is is just evidence that we on a society, we are on the wrong path. And for a couple of years now, I've enjoyed listening to people like Matt Walsh uh, using logic to tear down the trans activist logic. The documentary, What What is a Woman, was brilliant. You know, just starting an argument here uh, or beginning a debate by trying to define basic terms uh, turned out to be a very effective debate strategy. Now, the only way that somebody who actually believes that a man can become a woman is to get them to define what a woman is. And they they find it very difficult to do that in any way that doesn't reinforce the fact that there are two genders, right? A woman is an adult human female. Well, what is female? Somebody who has two X chromosomes. It's a very simple explanation, but if you explain that, then there's no way that you can justify how a man could ever become that because you will never be able to change your chromosomes. You will never be able to change your gender at the cellular level. Instead, trans activists like to use a lot of words which amount to a big fat nothing, which begs the question then, how as a man can you become a woman and how do you know once you've arrived there if you can't define what a woman is? Brilliant. Just, I mean, the it's very basic, simple logic. The fact that we have to apply logic to this is a little bit sad because uh, this is something that people have known since the beginning of time. It's it's common sense. But the reason I didn't jump in and, and pile on and, and talk about this sooner is because I didn't really feel like I had anything to offer above and beyond what has already been said and explained very eloquently by others. That has changed, though, recently. This problem is everywhere now. It's been there for a long time. But you'll probably like me notice how it's creeping into um, your social world where it wasn't there before. This was kind of a um, an out there thing that you were aware of, but maybe didn't affect your home or your personal uh, family friends. But it's everywhere now. It's in the news. It's in school. It's in libraries. Uh, two years ago, I didn't know anyone personally that um, actually thought that they could change genders. Um, but that began. You know, it, so what started out kind of at the periphery over the past couple of years, at least in my life, has come closer and closer to home. And it was getting close enough that as directors of Liberty Youth Academy, we felt it was important and urgent for us to add to our school policy that at school, boys will have to be boys and girls will have to be girls. And that's true in dress, in pronouns, in names. And relating to bathrooms. Now, it felt a little silly to have to state something so obvious, but that's where we are, and it's becoming pervasive enough 
that it was time to do something. But suffice it to say that this is something that my wife and I have now had to confront head on and deal with directly with people that we care deeply about. And as much as I agree with the logic and that Matt Walsh and others have used to approach this issue, I feel that many Christians struggle like we have with figuring out how do we balance truth with compassion and with Christ-like charity. Christ himself was unapologetically vocal in defending, well, not only defending, but presenting and then defending the truth that he was teaching to the point that it ticked off enough people in, in high enough positions of authority that he was crucified for it. So shying away from standing up for right and truth is not something that Christ can ever be accused of, but also he cared deeply about people. He loved them deeply and he, in every case, did his best to approach difficult situations with love and compassion. So how do we navigate this issue in a way that is true to truth and true to the Christian mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves? Now, I I do want to point out that there are activists out there who are pushing this to either justify their own behavior, to get comfortable um, perpetuating their own sinful lifestyles, or they're doing it for political power and for political purposes to gain political points. But the victims who are, are sucked into this world often have real underlying trauma that has to be handled delicately. A lot of them have deep wounds that lead them that that make this transgender ideology so appealing. Like, for example, someone, boy or girl, who has been sexually molested might find solace in the fact that if they can simply change their gender, then things like that may not happen to them again. And this transgender ideology is often pushed in this way, and they might perceive it as a way to escape and avoid that kind of pain in the future. This type of a person deserves our love and our compassion, not our ridicule. So what I want to do in this episode is um, share the conclusions that I've come to personally based on my personal experience with people that I care deeply about and want to help in the best way that I can. And I believe and feel that this framework is consistent with logic, truth, and love. Now, for me, this all comes back to principles every time. Anytime I'm faced with a situation like that, I, I love to step back and try and identify and define principles that are applicable to the situation, and then consider alternatives for handling that situation in a way that doesn't violate those principles. So here I want to share seven principles that I have found in trying how to figure out how to deal with the issues that that have arisen in my own life. Principle number one is that the truth shall set you free. There is a common claim among transgender activists that if we don't affirm those who are experiencing gender dysphoria, that they will commit suicide. They'll kill themselves if we don't affirm them. First of all, this entire movement is satanic. So we can expect that those who are working for him to lie through their teeth about this. And they do. Truth and righteousness lead to happiness and peace and wickedness never was happiness. Satan is the father of lies and misery, and he wants us to be miserable like him. So how do we know that this idea that a boy can become a girl and a girl can become a boy is a lie? 
Well, if common sense doesn't get you there, um, if that's not enough, then we need look no further than your chromosomes. You are male or female. And to make sure that you don't get confused by that, God has put a stamp on every cell in your body to prove it. And there is no surgery. There is no hormone treatment. There is no clothing change or hairstyle or pronoun or name that can change that. A million years from now, if you get frozen in an ice cap and they find your decayed remains and you're unrecognizable except as possibly a human being and they take some of your cells and test them, they will be able to tell if you are a male or female. And it will be because of how you were born, your biological sex at birth based on that stamp in your cells, XX chromosome, XX chromosomes for female and XY chromosomes for male. So by that alone, this transgender idea is obviously a lie. And with Satan as the father of lies and the fact that he desires your misery, then there is no conclusion to be drawn except that going along with this will lead to more misery and will not lead to happiness. And if there is an expert out there who is telling you otherwise, you'd better run in the opposite direction. Principle number two, affirming a lie is not love. I want to say that again. Affirming a lie is not and never will be love. I call this the American Idol effect. Most of us... um, who have ever watched kind of the original versions of American Idol. I don't even know if the show is still on TV. If it is, I'm sure it follows the same premise, but you get a ton of auditions. And part of the fun, at least during the first several episodes, is watching people walking off the street with no musical talent whatsoever, thinking that they do have that musical talent, and then singing their hearts out only to be laughed and jeered at by the judges and by each of us in our own homes, laughing at the television screen as we watch their ridiculous performances. And in most cases, these folks are accompanied by a parent or another loved one who is there to support them and believes that their child will be the next idol. Now, those parents themselves may be deluded, but uh, maybe deluded themselves and maybe are tone deaf themselves and have no idea just how untalented those children are. But I think many times, and there were many that were interviewed, that that perhaps we're not willing to have the hard conversation with their children and let them know that this is not something that you are very good at right now. That doesn't mean that you can't work at it and become better, but affirming these people in the lie that they had told themselves that they were fantastic vocal artists did not lead them to become more happy. It, it led them to perpetuate that own lie and completely prevented them from being able to improve themselves. If if someone had loved them enough to tell them the truth, they could have maybe done something about it before being mocked and ridiculed by millions of people on national television. And to further point out why affirming a lie is not love, how is it and how does it make sense that when someone is so confused and hurt that they think changing everything about them will bring happiness? They, what they need desperately is help and love. But somehow we think that the way to help them feel valued is by telling them that they are deserving of love if they change everything about them. What we should be telling them and what makes sense is that, that the God of the universe loves them, that we love them, and that they don't need to change a dang thing about themselves for that to be true. 
That's what affirmation actually is, is that who you are now without changing a thing is enough and is deserving of love and compassion. But somehow we've bought the lie that the opposite is true, that the way we affirm and help someone feel loved is if they'll change everything about them. Principle number three, I am morally obligated to not help you believe and feel comfortable in a lie that I know will bring you more misery and lead you more firmly into the devil's grasp. In other words, I will I will not affirm you, not because I'm afraid of you, but because I love you too much to take part in helping you believe a satanic hoax that I know will eat away at your soul and at your happiness. Now, I've had this discussion with folks that might that would maybe agree with me that, that that's true and that maybe I shouldn't affirm someone else's different pronouns because I, I shouldn't be required to go along with something that is obviously not true, but that I can and should respect name changes. And I disagree completely. And here's why. If the name change was prompted by a belief in the lie that you can change your gender, then by affirming that name, I'm still taking part. I'm I'm still becoming a tool in Satan's tool belt to help that person feel justified in living the satanic lie that you can change your gender somehow when gender is in fact an eternal part of our pre-mortal, mortal, and post-mortal existence. Now, does that mean that people who experience gender dysphoria are evil? Of course not. We all struggle with things. We all struggle with impure feelings or inadequacies or weaknesses that will either harden us or will drive us to our knees seeking God's help. But I am not going to help you convince yourself that giving in to the lies that Satan is whispering into your ears is a good thing and will somehow bring you closer to your quote-unquote true self, whatever that means. Principle number four, labels can't hurt you. If you follow these first three principles, uh, you are likely to be called a transphobe at some point. Um, But we've got to take the position of Paul when he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We must not be ashamed of standing up for truth, no matter the cost. If you stand up for this basic truth, you could be mocked. You could lose your job. You could be ostracized from friends and family. Lives have been ruined after being attacked by the pride mob. But I believe, and I've talked about how there are a couple of key issues in our day that I believe our discipleship will be judged on how we respond to them. One of those is abortion. Another is child trafficking. And I believe that this is another. And yes, the cost could be high for standing up for it, but what we give up by refusing to be disciples of Christ and stand up for truth in this instance is far greater than what we sacrifice in the short term by doing what's right. Besides, the word transphobe is an an oxymoron anyways. In this case, trans refers to the belief that you can change your gender and phobia is a fear. But since you can't actually change your gender, it's not real. So why would I be scared of something that doesn't and cannot exist? That's like uh, a fear of unicorns or a fear of flying pigs. If you find yourself afraid of such mythological creatures, I suggest you seek help. So don't be afraid by someone claiming that you're afraid of something that doesn't exist. 
Let them, let them shout those names and those labels from the rooftop. Stand strong in the label and in the name that actually matters, a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. That's enough. Let everyone else shout transphobe at you from the, from the rooftops. Principle number five, doing the right thing won't mean that the person you want to help will thank you right away. They might hate you. They might run from you. They might call you terrible names. You know, when, when my second daughter was, I think, two or three years old, I got a phone call from my wife who um, was kind of approaching her wit's end a little bit because um, my daughter, upon not being purchased a second pair of flip-flops after going through Walmart, had spent 30 minutes in her bedroom screaming at the top of her lungs that, um, that she hated my wife and she was a terrible mom. You may very well find out when you hold boundaries, especially with truth. Now, this was a this was a trivial thing, but you may find that your your kids, if this is if it happens to be a child or a sister, if that's who you're dealing with, might hate you for a time and maybe for a long time. But love, real love, is not about always making sure that you hear nice things about yourself or that you are liked. That's selfishness. If you are responding because you want to avoid the discomfort of being called names or being disliked by the person that you are trying to help, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Love is saying what you know will bring the person you love the greatest lasting happiness, even if they hate you for it. Principle number six. All of these principles that I've talked about are true and there is such a thing as absolute truth. These things are true for everybody. We cannot fall into the trap of believing the What's right for you may not be right for me, bullcrap. This isn't like an opinion over whether vanilla or chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream flavor. This issue is rooted in every fiber of the natural world and reality as we know it. God's honest truth isn't the answer for just some people or just for believers. It's the answer for everyone. No one is exempt from eternal principles and truth, no matter how much they wish they were. And to say otherwise is to say that although the rest of the world knows very well that the sun is real and is what allows life to flourish on this planet, that somehow, because I believe the sun isn't real, makes the world a frozen wasteland for me. Like you're, you were both standing on a sunny beach and you're there in your swimsuit, but because I don't believe in the sun, I turn into a human popsicle because that reality doesn't exist for me. It's not my reality. And of course, that's absurd. Now you might say, well, that's a different kind of truth. All right, well, so where do you draw the line between what what you can have absolute truth around and what you can't? It's arbitrary. So either all truth is relative or all truth is absolute. Any other attempt to distinguish between the two things makes you trying to draw an arbitrary line between where one starts and the other begins. It's similar to the issue of abortion, where, you know, trying to draw a line between where life begins and where the clump of cells stops being a clump of cells and becomes a human is completely arbitrary. So it's either human and it's life from inception or it's not. And any other attempt to try and find the middle ground or find where that changes is just ridiculous. And it's the same thing with truth. Principle number seven, bad men need nothing more to accomplish their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. It is simply not enough to hide and pretend that evil isn't destroying the very foundation of our civilization 
and of our society's capacity for peace and happiness. Christ nor his followers anciently were timid in proclaiming truth, but they did so boldly, and many, Christ being the most notable of them, gave their lives in defense of that truth. And if we are to be counted among Christ's disciples, we must do the same. If we are silent and do not actively push back the darkness, it will push past us and continue to grow. If we have someone we love who starts down this road and we choose to ignore it for fear of ruffling feathers or ticking them off, then we're guilty of affirming their delusions by our refusal to act and speak. It becomes a sin of omission. If we see someone we love getting ready to step into oncoming traffic, would we stand idly by and say, it's not my place to say anything. They can live their lives in the way, they can live their truth and their reality the way that they want. They might believe those cars aren't there. I'm going to let them live their truth. Of course not. And this is no different. We must be the beacon of light, reason, and truth for them because they may not get it anywhere else, especially in today's world. To wrap up, I hope these principles help you because if you haven't been confronted with this in your personal life yet, you will be soon. And how you apply these principles to specific situations and relationships where you're called to face it will require a lot of thought and prayer. You're not going to approach every situation exactly the same, but please be careful not to to choose a course of action that violates principles and truth in the process. Some of the worst malignancies creep into our families and into our society when, with the best of intentions, we violate timeless, eternal truths. In every case, misery is the ultimate result. Let's not make that mistake with our most important relationships and friendships. We need to be an example of ultimate love by standing for truth, even when it might cause you pain and discomfort, because you could literally save the life temporally and spiritually, of your loved one. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at abideinliberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting libertyyouthacademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith and be strong.